you're kind of sat there going, oh my God, all this stuff in me comes from all this other stuff. You're sat there going, oh, of course, my grandmother, da, 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 da. for years and years and years and years and years and years and years before you were even able to form that memory, loads of other shit went into making all these other aspects. You are listening to Made of Human, also known as the Mopad, a podcast hosted by Sophie Hagen, who is a Danish comedian. Mopad. Trying to find out Mopad. how to do life. Mopad. But it turns out Mopad. nobody knows Mopad. went to see a show at the Soho Theatre a few weeks ago. I went to see Adam Hess, who is one of the funniest people I know. He's so funny. He's so funny. And in the bar, I ran into Sarah Barron. And uh, she was sitting with Mark Watson and Leanne Coop, who are my producers and friends, my tour producers and friends. And they uh, had just seen her show. I didn't see her show because there were no tickets left. So I saw Adam Hess. Not instead, because I... It sounds like I picked Adam Hess just because Sarah was sold out. In a perfect world, I would have seen them both. That's not the point, not the point. But uh, I've just heard the most amazing things about Sarah's show. And I just know it's good because I know Sarah and she's incredible. But she came up to me <laughs> at the bar and was um, seemingly... Um, uh, I mean... I don't. I, I know you don't joke with the word traumatized, but <laughs> what's a very mild version of traumatized? And she was like, still sort of <laughs> a bit affected by our made of human chat, and uh, to the extent where I had to ask if she was okay with me releasing it. <laughs> I think the thing about Sarah is that she's so intelligent and she's so vulnerable, like uh, open and. And she's no no more vulnerable than any of us are, but she's um, just very open and self-aware. So I think she might have been a bit nervous about how she come how she comes across. But I personally think she came across brilliantly. I think she's such a brilliant person, and I got so much out of having this chat with her, and I'm sure you will too. So um, I'm very excited to introduce her to you and you should definitely go and find her on the internet all over the place and go and see her new show or this show if you if you ever see her doing it again she's uh she's just the best before i let you listen to this chat with the wonderful sarah baron i just quickly want to say i'm going on tour of the uk in april may june with my stand-up slash book tour bubble wrap happy fat i will be doing an hour of stand-up and then i'm going to be doing an hour of like book readings q a book themed stuff and then i'll be signing books and selling books after the show i will be doing two shows in denmark called the bum swing which is my very very brand new show which i will also take to edinburgh and then on another tour after that uh they will be in copenhagen and aarhus uh in april you should, in the in general, just like sign up for my newsletter to get all of these announcements into your inbox, and you should also go and buy 
the filmed versions of my two previous shows, Step Baby Frog and Shimmer which you can download for £5 each. All of this is on my website, sophiehagen.com. You should also go and pre-order Happy Fat, which is my new book <laughs> about why it's okay to be fat. You can get it on Amazon or wherever you usually buy your books. I have another podcast called Secret Dinosaur Cult. I do it with Jody Mitchell. It's a queer comedy podcast about daddy issues and dinosaurs and trauma. And it's it's like my best, it's my favorite thing to do. It's I love it so much. And we do live shows as well, which are just these oh, incredibly lovely shows that are just filled with lovely queer people. And it's so much fun. So come to a live show or listen to the show on secretdinosaurcult.com or wherever you get your podcast. Oh, I almost forgot. Announcement. I will be doing Made of Human Podcast live at the uh, Birmingham uh, Podcast Festival. The Birmingham Podcast Festival in March. I will be doing uh, Made of Human on March 24th. Yes. So come and uh, come to that. Come to that. I don't have a guest yet, yet, but I will. And uh, it'll be a good guest. So I will now let you listen to just one of my favorite people. The wonderful and uh, just brilliant, brilliant Sarah Barron. For people who might not know who you are, do you want to just quickly introduce yourself? Yes, I'm, I mean, I, I really don't like to do this, but I'm going to do it. I, I still think of myself as an aspiring stand-up comedian. Yeah. Versus a real one, because I don't think the money I'm making at this stage really justifies me describing it as my job. But I, I'm, um, I'm worked as a writer for a long time, and then was like, I am not good at this and not enjoying it. And so about four and a half years ago, transitioned into stand-up, and I am currently continuously working to make that my full-time job. I feel like you... Because I heard you talk about this on a podcast a year ago, and you said the same thing. But within that year, you know, you've done your first hour. And yeah, yeah. The pro- you know the progress has been good. Yeah, but I more think, I think, yeah, like I need maybe even just maybe one more year, and then hopefully, I get a real bee in my bonnet. People are like, I'm a stand up. I'm like, dude, you you make no money. You're not. You want it? It's your hobby. You're trying. Good for you. Trying or, real hard. Yeah, you're trying so hard. And I, so I just make sure I apply the same yeah. standards to myself. So I, I like that. Yeah. I like that. Oh. Um, I feel like it's very you because you like arrived and then you just told me this amazing anecdote. And I, it's just, it's not even that the anecdote in itself, it's just the way you tell stories is so, oh, it's just so captivating. I think you're fluffing me to make sure I give you an hour of good chat, which I will do <laughs> regardless. Prove it. Prove yeah. it. You're yeah, good yeah, at storytelling. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> um, thank you. I hope that's true. I really feel like it's like what's what's interesting is is I'm I'm obviously you will have been through this, but I'm sort of trying to write another hour now. Yeah, I did my first one last year, and I'm like, it, it is so mind boggling to me that people write an hour in a year. Yeah, I, I, because your first one, you've got like sort of years of being like, well, this you know, and <clears throat> putting together all this stuff. So anyway, I'm now when I do previews, like I did my first preview last night. Mm. 
And the idea is that you're just kind of up there, like, what's this? Could I, you know, figuring it out. And the, I, I mean, I've never felt so uncompelling, you know, where you can like <laughs> yeah. feel the audience shifting and kind of being like, I'm, so, I'm sorry. I know there's nothing here. So it's a nice uh, tail back, the tail end of that to hear that you find me compelling, if nothing else. That's, it's an interesting, isn't it interesting when you've just finished doing this show that is so finished and so polished and then the next show you do is the worst one you've ever done because you don't know what you're doing. Well, it, yeah. I feel like it really grounds you once a year. You go, oh, oh, maybe I'm really good at comedy. Let me try out this new stuff. Oh, no. Oh, no. Oh, no. Terrible. <laughs> oh, God, no. That was yeah. a year's work. Yeah. But I think, I, th- I do think it's true. I think once you start telling stories, you, you feel like you're just going, oh, let me hear it. Like, you really want to hear it. It's not like when you listen to people tell stories and you're like, oh, shit, no. Oh, it's well. going to be a lot of... Here's hoping. This woman who I'm not friends with anymore, but we were friends for years and she was the worst. Like I can remember she had, we were living in New York and she'd gone on this trip to Ireland. So, you know, that was a big across the Atlantic and she came back and I was being a good friend being like, so, oh my God. I mean, was it amazing? And she's like, so the flight landed at, I think it was 10 a.m. on that Tuesday. And I was like, no, no, you know, and it was like just two hours of the the minutiae where you're like, I'm asking out of politeness and you got to be able to see that in my eyes, you know. Um, but yeah, it's hard to figure out like, like, because so many of your shows are, are very, like have real stories at the... There's a lot of stories. Yeah, yeah. there's a lot of stories. And I think like... I come from that background, sort of, but then I got so obsessed with the stand-up stuff, and I don't know. I feel like then I have now I have to sort of relearn like how to let a story be an actual story whilst mm. keeping the laugh quotient, yeah, or the laugh rate, I should say, high enough. I have an I have a and you can this might be completely wrong because we don't know each other that well. No, but I have a feeling that. Like with most of these podcasts, I kind of want to get to some kind of darkness, or to some kind of depth, or to some kind of um, something interesting. You know, like something in your like, shows. No, 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 in the, in the podcast, in, in episode, yeah, in the episodes. And I had this feeling today. I thought, I don't think you're gonna. You don't, you strike me as a person who will not just easily just. Bear your soul and give all the really dark stuff. Am I wrong oh, about I that? I think you're really. I think you're extremely wrong about oh, that. Oh, really? So I think like because we're pot. Like if the microphones were off, right? Like in a totally. Like I, we would go and sit and have coffee, and I'd be like, I will happily tell you the darkest parts of my marriage. You know, like yeah, yeah, yeah. I sort of. I think I'm really open that way. I think I'm a little bit more guarded where if it's like oh this person would get like so angry if i actually said that oh. but no i think i'm i think i'm pretty vulnerable with that stuff yeah i think so i think it's because i mainly <clears throat> because i heard you on a podcast and you you were so in control and it, you see this is going to sound so strange you seem like the kind of person to me who can take a breath before answering where I'm just like, uh, 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 because I don't have the, you, you seem composed in a way where, I th- and for people like that, I think really? you must be, you must be so good at just thinking, yeah, no, don't say that. And then answering something really oh, good. Oh, no, I think like one of like, really an issue in my marriage, for real, is that 
I I think just say no filter overstates it a little bit. But I will, like Jeff, my husband, he will sort of say like, you need to, you know, if we're going to see so-and-so, watch it a little bit because I need you to remember that they're friends with this person. Or, you know, you, like he can get angry with me because I don't, I don't consider what I'm saying I don't is think. that an American thing because I feel like that's very much a British like, yeah oh, don't don't be I think too some of yeah I think so. and I also just think like I'm very warts like that's so interesting that you said that observation about me is so interesting and I just I, I, I just think that what's me wanting to be entertaining like I think it's an impulse in me that's like say a good thing say it in an interesting way tell the story the right way I think that's a thing I can, uh, like a tick, 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 but which I succeed and fail at in equal measure. But I think <laughs> that in terms of like what I'm willing to just yeah, say, then I'll get worried like that I sound like I, I did. I don't know if this is what you're talking about, but I did a podcast where I was talking about like a bunch of fertility stuff. And, no, that wasn't even it. Um, and I was talking about like I really struggled to get pregnant and it was just nightmarish and terror and I you know I have a kid now so that that's sort of that happy ending but I was talking about how I I've never um like I've never had an abortion I've ne- you know and I've always thought that if that had happened to me I would have really really struggled to have one and um, so many women that I know are like are you like I mean I do it like I was going to the store, like I, you know, and I was. I heard myself over and go over and over, going like, for me, for me, and there was this judgmental, like, which I, I truly don't judge it at all. It's this sort of weird conservative thing in me, and then I worried, like, so I'll worried, I'll worry about seeming a certain way, but I don't think that I keep anything particularly in control as a result of that. But maybe I do. I mean, I'm probably just projecting. God, I mean, that's everything I, I ever do. I'm going, okay, oh, God, I bet she has everything under control. Oh, God, no. <laughs> but I, I'm so fascinated that I presented that way to you. In yeah. Any, I, mean, I think I am. You know what I mean? Like, I am a little bit. Like, I like things in there. But, but I think of myself as much more of a live wire than not. What do you... So, I think a part of your... Because you're you're not not vulnerable. Because I've seen you had was it um the moth? What's it called? Is it just called the moth? Yeah, 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 yeah. You told this amazing story about jealousy. Oh right, right. Am I right? Yeah, it, yeah, it, yeah. It was about yeah, or, about yeah. Um, my husband had essentially a first wife, and it's sort of talking about my relationship with her. And that yeah. was vulnerable. <sighs> but you were in control of the vulnerability. Is yeah, what I that's felt. the thing. I, you know what? Actually, I th- I think that's. Like, there are those performers who are, like, truly, like, bring a true rawness. I don't think I do that, actually. You know what I mean? I think I'm too... um, I think I'm, like, a real rehearsal. Like, I I think I do want everything. See? I think you were right all along. (laughs) Yeah, no, I think I need to feel like everything is completely... Like, I'll talk about anything. I really would. But I think I need to be completely in control of how 
the of how you sell it. Yeah, of how I sell uh, it. Exactly that. But it will still be the truth. In well, no, I mean that story wasn't totally the, like that's because I'm trying to think if I can rework that for a oh yeah another yeah, yeah. hour and see if it fits into something and and it's not the like that story. That is not the true. I mean, it, it's yeah. true. There's nothing in it that was a lie. But, you know, the, the truth is, is that my husband was with her when we met. Uh, it wasn't like, and then a couple months. Now, there was yeah. no cheating. You know what I mean? But yeah, it yeah, yeah. was, it was that uncomfortable, yeah, yeah, yeah. you know, and a sort of affair of the heart. And that's really unlikable. And I didn't put that in that story because I had 10 minutes and I couldn't like... Yeah. Get myself likable and explain that my now, you know what I mean? And, but I also and feel with stuff like that, it is, there are some things that I've tried saying on stage that for me, it's just like basic, like, you know, st stuff like cheating, even if it's not cheating, but, you know, falling in love with someone who's in a relationship is something I tried talking about in the show before. And the tension in the audience from every single person who's ever been cheated on so, and they suddenly hate you right. and you try to be like but nothing really happened but I, I just kind of felt like I, I was so in, and he said he was in love with me which is not really my he was the one in the relationship so and that and you can just feel that they're like you are a piece of shit for ruining this anonymous woman's life and you're like no but that's not what happened and there's some things where you're like oh that's not even the main point of the story that was just a sentence that I wanted to and throw did, in like, there to, so did you then just set that aside and were like I'm not gonna yeah. get into this yeah so I would just say either like he was single or there was no feelings or just make it like a simple thing so I didn't have to justify this entire complicated even if you said oh he was with his girlfriend but he was gonna leave her but see this is what I think is really interesting and this is sort of what I'm like trying to figure mm. out what you can it's like with the right effort as a performer or a storyteller whatever could you because that's so human i mean mm. we're shitty we do shitty things and you can like i you know the, i remember because i'm thinking about bringing this story back which is you know a mess of a thing because it then brings with it this complicated dynamic that i have with someone but but when i met my you know i so i was sort of like listen you are otherwise engaged if that comes to a close, I'm on a list of people who would find that interesting information. You know, that was sort of yeah. how it was left. And then, you know, and then we wound up sort of emailing and this stuff. And then a couple months later, he broke up with his then girlfriend. And I remember, like, I'm a woman's woman, right? I would never, I would never this, I would never that. But I remember at a certain point making and see, now it feels like, oh, I can be unlikable because you don't you have to, don't have to see the people's faces and we're, you know, we have like a friendly yeah. dynamic. So I feel sort of understood, like I have you yeah, on yeah, side yeah, already. Yeah. But I remember getting to this point where I thought, I, so I would only call him if I, you know, and I just want to say again, this played out over the course of two months, right? Where it went from sort of like, wait, you know, to realizing there just was something here and I would call him a few times a week and I knew his schedule so I'd be like I know he's out of the house right now and I remember I mean I feel disgusting saying this but I remember it getting to like it was like a Friday night and I was in New York you know so there's this time gap so it would have been like 10 o'clock on a Friday and calling him so presumably he's at home with his girlfriend and not just his girlfriend but his girlfriend whose life is possibly falling apart yeah. 
right? Yeah, 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 yeah. And this wasn't like his girlfriend of a year. This was like, a, I mean, it wasn't a literal marriage, but it was a marriage. They'd been together yeah. a decade. They owned house. You know, they had yeah. a life. And I, I, you know, intellectually, I understood that this, I, I didn't know what she knew. I didn't know anything. But presumably, her husband's phone is ringing at 10 o'clock at night with the name of some woman. Yeah. But I could feel myself falling in love with him. And I guess it was, well, I don't guess. I know it was my way of sort of challenging to be like, what's, like, how much are you willing to give me here? Is this thing really going to, what's the, you know, like sort of gauging things. And the cost of that, I would, of course, later learn was she'd see, she knew what was going on, causing this woman excruciating pain. And I did it. Yeah. Because it was better for me. Yeah. And that's disgusting. And mm. excuse me, but I also feel if you sat down with most people and you really got at different aspects of their lives, that selfishness would be on display. Like, that was me in a really shitty moment of my own life. Okay. I just wanna, doing something yeah. super selfish, I right? Just, I just want to put, put my story in there so you know where I'm coming from. I this and I was again all the excuses. I was twenty one, twenty two, had an affair with this guy. Gross, 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 gross. He started by saying, "Oh, I'm not in love with my girlfriend. I'm gonna leave her in like a, whatever tomorrow. So let's just do this." And that tomorrow became years, right? Right. And I was twenty one. I was so in love with him. I thought we were gonna be together forever. Right. I loved him so much. And there was a moment when I met her, and I in my head she was this awful person that I just oh poor him poor him having to be with someone like that in my head I created this awful image of this woman because I had to because you have to I had to yeah and then I met her oh she was so lovely she was so sweet and she pulled she looked sad she was standing in the corner looking sad and I thought go home go home you have to go home just go home leave it leave it but I couldn't because she was looking sad and I walked up to her and I said are you okay and she said Actually, I'm not. Can I talk to you? And I thought, oh, she knows everything. She knows everything. And she did she know? Did you guys know who each other were? Let's say we were in the same industry. Right. Okay. Um, oh well, I was a coworker yeah. of her of her boyfriend. And she pulled me aside and she said, um, "I'm so sorry." She said, "You're the only other woman at this party," and I just. I think he's cheating on me. I found these messages on his phone. And oh I don't know what to do. my god! And I was just. And I know what the right thing is to do. I know the right thing is to go, oh, yeah, it's me. Dump him. I'm so sorry. Fuck him. He's a horrible person. Well, but I mean, yeah. too much on your shoulders. But, yeah, but anyway. But in a way, right, you know, right. if, if I was going to be the feminist superhero of going, Ugh. yeah, you know what? You know, I've done that later on uh, with someone else. But I said, oh, and this is so horrible. This is such a disgusting thing. I was like... <laughs> but you know he loves you. Like, of course he wouldn't do that. You know that, right? And she was like, yeah, I know I'm silly. I gaslit her. She was like, I know I'm so silly. And I was like, ah, yeah, like you're all he ever talks about. And I, it was it was one of the worst things I've ever done. Well, but I guess, but this is, it's fun because like my, when you talk about feeling disgusting, I want to say, but that's not on you. It's on them. It's on, he's the piece of shit. Cheating. Yeah, but I, well, right. That's the thing is that I, I don't think like, I know what you mean when you use the word gaslight in that situation but I think really you just of course you don't want that shit on your shoulders Mm. like you don't want the responsibility of being the one who watches this woman realize this thing but he was also above me in the company right I mean things get so complicated and also you want to be 
Like in your story in that moment, there is you being kind. There's the, do you not think? You just. I know. We are within this intentions and then this. Yeah, there's, right, right, of yeah. course. I, I, I really liked her and I really didn't want her to hurt. I also didn't want her to it's find also out like, I mean, that, for him to be is, mad at me. But that's, you know, this is what happens with stuff that has to do with like sex and romance. So is that like, mm. it's this thing in us and people just like people blow their lives up like yeah. do these deeply illogical things because that's just what happens when sex is involved with stuff yeah it's there was i took not revenge that's not the right word um eventually i i felt like i kind of got back at him in a way i think she's she's with someone else now she seems very happy follow her on instagram i'm obsessed with her being happy she's so happy right now he's not everything's good great great but then a few years ago a friend of mine kissed me and started declaring his love for me and i was like whoa 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 no no that was never into this and a few weeks later his girlfriend wife his wife messaged me and said i know you kissed him and I just went, right, listen, this is exactly what happened. And I told her everything. And I was like, I'm so sorry, but this is it. And she immediately went, yeah, I thought so. And we had this long conversation where I was like, you deserve better. Like, he's a piece of shit. And he does this to you. He does this to you. Like, if you need anything at all, just let me know. Like, we can go out. We can have a chat. We can have a drink. And I was like, really trying to champion her. Um, didn't work. She was just like, no, he's all I have. And then. She disappeared. But I've had uh, the whole, like, <laughs> every single bad thing I'd done, I was just, like, putting it into this, I will help right, you. Right, like, this, this help will you, be mine. Yeah, I'll help you find a new flat. I'll help you get a new job. I'll help you uh, everything. I do think it's weird. Like, I first of all, there's it's just, again, so natural to sort of hate whoever the other woman is. Mm. And that's whether you're whatever side of the situation you're on. But it does seem to me... Like, you should feel that hatred and understand it's quite natural. And then the focus really needs to go to the dude. Yeah, 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 yeah. But that, but yeah. people don't want to look I, at that, right? I think it's, there's a lot of, the saying is that, you know, that's what I, that's why I said that, because you said the woman's woman and you would never do that. So. Right, no. But are you, do, are you doing that? In my head, I've always had this thing of like, if my partner was suddenly in a room and every single person in the world was there and they were all naked saying, please fuck me. They should still be able to say, oh, no. You know, like they... Right. So, because if it's about other people not approaching your partner, then, well, well, if you don't do it, then the next one will. Right. So in a way, I don't, I don't think you can logically ever blame that person. Yeah. Unless, of course, I mean, you again, know I think that sort of feeling the hatred... Mm is natural yes absolutely but then you kind of like need to feel that and like yeah direct yeah. the oh the you can totally be really like oh she's to a go. fucking prick yeah, but right. like so hate look don't. at her on instagram or whatever yeah, it is yeah, but then yeah. it's like yeah but you know yeah you know he's the this guy culprit. yeah but it had a happy ending for me yeah 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 and i think you know with with i it took it I mean, you know, and my husband and I have been together like eight years. So who knows? But which I just mean, like, I, I married him because I think it will last a long time. But I'm just trying to be yeah. realistic about being like, well, yeah, we've been together eight years and everything is going to be perfect from here on out. But I think, you know, there it wasn't. Um, 
it wasn't behavior. I mean, I don't know. I don't, I don't, like, I can, like, it's so weird. I can, like, hear her listening to me right now. Do you know what I mean? Yeah. Like, you know, there wasn't any sexual infidelity. Mm. Um, that doesn't mean that he, you know, that he didn't have a girlfriend and was for eight yeah, weeks yeah, yeah. calling another woman. Yeah. Um, and that that wasn't not a great way to start. And I think then I just needed a lot of, You know, like, you, you hear that thing, like, whether it's in Sex and the City episodes or, like, somewhere slightly more highbrow or whatever. But, like, you know, the way you find a man is, a, like, a hello uh, yeah, and a yeah. goodbye to someone is always sort of the same thing. And I sort of thought, well, is this, you know, yeah, will this be in 10 years? And I, you know, my instinct was no. You know, that was... Yeah, but also it... Like, I think, <laughs> and that maybe says more about my relationships, I think eight weeks is... Exactly the time it would take. Oh to, yeah, to, to, to meet to someone, disentangle find out in love, from... in love with someone, and then deciding to leave. Like if I would be very scared if my partner met someone and that same night he was like, "Oh, I think they're yeah. kind of interesting. Goodbye." Well, and I would this, want I them to take is... eight weeks to go. Yeah, and share that this is a thing. And you know, they had broken up a couple months before and it hadn't mm. quite stuck, and now they were trying. You know what I mean? And it, yeah, you yeah, know, yeah, it was yeah. that was the con. It wasn't just sort of like no. everything is hunky dory, and then he meets someone else. That's yeah. not how it goes. But. um and I, you know, I, when it would get really impossible, because the thing is, is if you meet someone and they are, are with someone else or just <laughs> disentangling themselves from someone yeah. else, they've got that person's emotional needs at the top of their priority list. It probably didn't feel that way to her. In fact, I, I sort of know that it didn't. But to me, it felt like everything needed to be about what was best for the ex understandably right like her life had fallen apart but you also sort of are now in this new relationship and and my needs and her needs are sort of butting heads in this way and I remember sort of to get through that I would think like I'd been dating a guy previously who was younger than I was which is fine but he just never had a girlfriend and I was like you don't know how to do this and I look at my now husband and be like he knows how to do this He's been in a monogamous relationship for 10 years. Like, and there's so much baggage that comes with that. But also he does know how to be with someone. His ex would be like, yeah, because I fucking taught him over the course yeah. of 10 years. And she's right. Yeah. You know, so so I think I, I just, who was I? I was talking to someone. So I'm almost 40, which I know is shocking to you. You were like, Sarah, I thought you were 25. <laughs> and she... You know, she was talking about who she's dating now. It's like a 39-year-old. And, you know, if you're a 39-year-old woman, a lot of what you're looking at is, like, divorced guys with kids, which is complicated. And and she, she like, found this guy who'd been mo- – she was dating someone who'd mostly been single, who was also 40. And you were – and it was like, oh, baggage-free. And it's like, no, no, no. Oh, no, no, no. no. A guy who's 40 – a woman who's 40. Like, I don't think this is gender-specific, but – you don't know there's a thing that you kind of don't know how to do. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And that's going to be a hell of a lot harder to manage than stepkids. Yeah, like there's still baggage, but it's full of unorganized stuff. Yeah, like you like just have such been a, thi- a partner to fold up the socks. Yeah, you in, just yeah. have no, it's such a thing to be in a marriage. It's so complicated and it's so much work and it's all these things. And if you've gotten to, you know, a certain age where you've just, it's been your. You know, for better and worse, it's been what you want when you want it. I, I think 
that can be its own kind of God, yeah. hellfire to manage. God, yeah. It's interesting because my first real boyfriend, he cheated on me. And a the few, plot thickens, well, a Sophie. Few, okay. Well, I mean, a few months after, or three months. So <laughs> how old say were you? Form, um, 30. And I was... 30. Oh, at this point, I was... 19? Okay, that I mean, makes more young, sense. Yeah, it's a young one. Did you see me trying to not act like, oh, she's like, first like I was boyfriend yeah. at 30. On That's 50. cool. Every, uh, everything in your own time. I've been 30 for three months, yeah. and this is it's very new. Yeah. Uh, no, he, um, so I was uh, 19, 20, uh, and he cheated on me with this, I thought it was very, in hindsight, it was very beautiful. I found this, one, this um, video on his phone of this girl just jumping up and down on a chair, and like you could hear like the person filming it was like laughing and I've lost my mind. I was like, Oh my god, you piece of shit I throw his phone. And he was like, I don't understand what the thing he had then he, she was I later found out she was the one he'd kissed at some point, but that was I didn't know at this point that this was the cheating woman. And he was like, No, but it's it's funny And I was like, It's not fucking funny So like she's just jumping on a chair and he was like, It's it's just a funny video and and then I was like, it's not funny. And he went, oh, well, that's what everyone says. Like, I've been showing everyone at work, and no one thinks it's funny. I just don't understand. Uh, I then made a drunk phone call to him four months after we broke up, like a really pathetic, drunk, rum phone call. Like, do you miss me? And he told me he was in a relationship with her. And they were together for seven years. And that made it so much better. Because he didn't actually know when he had filmed that video that that was why he thought it was funny. Because he was so in love with her without really realizing it. Otherwise, he would have hidden the fucking video, right? Right. But that made it better, that it wasn't a, you know, oh, I just want to just fuck anyone. Right. But it was someone he was going to end up being with for seven years. And having this thing with. Oh, it made me so happy. I was like, oh, oh is interesting. Who, who are you with? Oh, oh, I'm, oh, good. You found someone. That wasn't just a thing. You would always have ended up with her, regardless right. of whether or not you'd whatever. And I kind of, I feel like, and I don't know if that's a normal thing to think, but I was really like, oh. I think, I think that's quite, I, I don't think I would feel that way. I think I would still feel too rejected and wish bad things for someone. I know that's terrible, <laughs> but I, I think that's more, I think it's really healthy that in a genuine way you were able to like, be like, oh, okay, good. At least there was some kind of purpose to it. Yeah, but the opposite is that if you hadn't then gone on to be with her I would have been like oh she was just a filthy harlot yeah I'm not- a filthy heartlet <laughs> so weird though those things it's like people know when something's up like mm. you know what I mean you people just our instincts with that stuff are not ever par- I mean I but just do don't think they're think paranoid I think they're do you right not think on. your instincts get muddled over the years and like if you've had every single boyfriend ever cheat on you you're gonna look for it and then any kind of Oh, something. That, okay, I mean, what I honestly think is, I think mm-hmm. like if if that's a thing, if like you've had people cheat on you, it's very. See, you want a darkness. I'll give it. To, then I think you will keep picking people who cheat. Like, I I just think people to do with infidelity. And that's I think people are very rarely paranoid. Mm. I think you just just no. I I just think our instincts on these things. All right. I don't know. Like, like if I, you know, like, so both of us work in a mostly male industry, mm. right? And I'm 
married and I have been the whole time I've done stand up. But you know, you can go out and there's like a hot guy you do a gig with and you're like, ooh, so and so is on the oh God, he is I mean, I'm spoken for, but he's adorable. Or some you know, something like yeah. that. And I like you know, my husband will even pick up on Oh, is your boyfriend? You know what I mean? <laughs> just even like a little, just, yeah. just clocking in me that I found this person attractive. And I think vice versa, you know, with, with him as well, I'll be like, oh, it's so, you know, and um, you just, it's so particular attraction that we just, I don't know. I think like 90% of the time, if you're like, huh, you're correct to feel worried i think i'm just so terrified now of how much i've been how see-through i've been with my crushes now <laughs> no i first of all i'm just like when we're not recording i'm gonna be like wait so who is this and who is this yeah, yeah, yeah. um um i'm paranoid that i <laughs> said too much about my husband's previous relationship but i feel like you've come across well have i but I has mean, my husband come across that's the other I don't well want to i i know your husband. More, he's amazing i love him medium <laughs> that's not I, mean, I think he's, he's, he's punching above his weight oh yeah yeah, no, yeah, yeah definitely obviously but he's okay, a good, good. kind-hearted yes. Yes, guy kind who will eventually do the podcast <laughs> yes exactly um, so did you move over here because of him? yes so we met and it was a very complicated beginning for all these imagine. reasons yeah, so it was yeah. sort of it wasn't like i mean he had property i mean you know it was not so, so even if like moving from one country to another is a big deal, you know, a big thing regardless. It wasn't like moving from New York to Philadelphia or something. And then added on to that was there was this other person in the mix who. Mm. So we did long distance for a year and a half. And then I moved. And it was that th it was like from the first time we sat down and had coffee together. It was like, we're going to get I mean this is the thing. So it wasn't even ever like a, like I think about that sometimes I'm like, how did the decision, like what was the decision making process of you moving to London? And it was really, and like, I will bitch about my husband all day. It is my favorite thing. So I feel, so I say that as a sort of balance to then saying it was like we were sort of sat across from each other the first time and I was just like not even in a romantic way I was just like well I wind up living in London am I gonna move to London you know so it was just like on the table from the second time we saw each other or something like that I guess do you think it it takes a specific kind of person or personality to be able to or to want to move to another continent well, I, so I lived here as a student when I was like 20 mm. and I'd always loved London. Like it just, I just feel like it's very similar to New York, which is my number one place. And, um, I think, you know, frankly, and it's embarrassing, but it's just the truth. Like he was just much more successful than I was. And so him moving wasn't like his career couldn't manage that and mine could I was a, like a barely successful writer so I could you know there was no reason that I couldn't move so that just happened but moving to another I mean and I said this because I wouldn't have moved here if I had planned it if it had ever popped into my head you should move to 
uh, to England, I wouldn't have. I don't think right. I would have. Would have. I think it would have been too scary. It would have been too much. It would. I would have seemed too complicated. And you know, it's not safe to just move somewhere else. And I'm just thinking, if it's, where does that come from in your brain that yeah. makes you think, oh yeah, I guess I'll just move to this other place. Is this, do you know what I mean? I mean, I it's guess your home. Like your base yeah, I mean, I, but I'd been in New York for like fifteen years. I'd been there a long time, and it was sort of that simultaneous thing of like I could never, like I just think loving New York City is one of. The, I went there for the first time when I was five, and I was like, mm-hmm, "This is the place." Where like, are you from originally? Chicago, but Chicago, okay. suburbs. Like I was a suburban okay. girl, and I was my uncle lived in New York, and I went to his wedding when I was five, and I can remember like coming up out of the subway right on Central Park West and being like, uh-huh. And I'm 40 years old now. I still feel like when I, mm-hmm. I'm like, mm-hmm, this is the, this is the one. So that's just, I've always had this thing about New York City. And also I was like, what, what else? You know, like it's so expensive. This is really sound. This is about, I just heard myself and it sounds like I'm, I think I might be coming across so bad not at all maybe not like at all. i just i was living in new york and i was trying to figure out you know i was 31 i'd mostly been single like i was always dating and i had sort of casual boyfriends but i'd never been with someone for more than like a year and a half and i wanted that like i wanted babies and i want you know i wanted all that sort of my husband calls me small seed conservative sarah because there is something in me that's like despite all my very obviously liberal ideas like, I'm like, no, of course I want kids. I want, you know, all that stuff. And I really wanted that. I really didn't. Like, I, I, I was 31 when I met my husband. And I, w- I was sort of like, st- you know, struggling along as this writer. You know, I had no savings. It didn't seem like a big break was around the corner. I mean, I was really trying to figure out what what I was going to do. And I was thinking, all right, like, I think maybe I go to graduate school and I get some degree so I can teach. Like, I would teach um, teach writing classes, you know, which is part of how I made my money. And I was like, so do I, what do I do? Do I maybe go and get a degree and then... Then I could teach it. You know, I'm just like trying to figure out how you go from being 31 with no money, like barely able to buy yourself a ticket back home to see your parents. And not when you're 21, when you're 31, to feeling like a more viable adult. And this is, I mean, I feel disgusting. But I, I think I sort of just, if your question is, how did you feel like you could just move to a new country? I did meet my husband and it felt like oh, it was just like he was the thing. And I I hope I feel like I didn't marry him just because like he oh problem solved, you know, like I but but I you know it felt right. It felt you know it felt right and I'm just, I feel so self-conscious because of how I think this is, must be sounding. But, um, but yeah, I, I think it was just like, oh, okay, you'll move to London. That'll be cool. And it didn't feel like this totally foreign place because I'd had this 
life 10 years earlier here that I had always put up on a pedestal. So I just think, I remember actually one time I like went out for coffee with his ex-girlfriend as we were trying to like figure out what our dynamic was going to be. I remember her asking me like, did you just like want a free meal ticket? Like in a, in a fine way, like Mm. in a, it it wasn't, it wasn't an inappropriate thing. It was like, uh, these are some questions I have for you Mm. kind of fair way, but sort of saying like, did you just want to be able to move to London? And I thought, I remember at that moment being like, oh my God, no. Like, my dream would have been to be able to stay in New York, but bring my husband with me there. But that was never going to happen. So I sort of had to come here. It was a very weird mix of being really excited and really deeply sad about it all at the same time. Because I felt like I had sort of a, a big a big, good life, but that had a lot of question marks around it. Have they then been answered now? Are you a viable adult? Do you feel like... No, I still think I'm sort of not. Like, that. that's why I think I get so fixated. Like, even when you were like, oh, but I saw you a year ago and you made this joke and now you've had this year. <laughs> it's like, I, I think that I've never... I've never made good money my whole life. I did a little bit in my 20s when I was a professional waiter and I saved up all this money. But, like, as an artiste, I've never... I've never felt financially viable and I hate it about myself. It makes me feel humiliated. Do you come from a uh, uh, medium? Money, medium? I think I come from, we were the poorest family in a very rich town. Yeah. Right? So yeah. when I say poorest, I'm, you know, it's not that. Like it was a, a, a very middle class town. Um, and a lot of people had a lot of money and we were perfect and fine and always comfortable. Like my parents are super cheap, but we were always very well provided for. So yeah, I think, I think it's something about sort of feeling like, you know, whatever guilt comes with always having ultimately, like my parents could never give me money to help me buy property. They don't have money like that. But if I got really sick and they and I need see it's the, the American who still equates <laughs> yeah. money with being taken care. Of. You know, like if I was in the states and med- some sort of medical bill was a problem, my parents would be able to pay that for me. Yeah, right. And I think that 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 um, combined with being financially supported by my husband, it's just it's like so much support and privilege, and it just then makes you feel shitty. And I, you know, I supported myself for 10 years from like 22 to 32, but, but I've never been able to like, I could never have bought a property. I could never have, you know, done anything like that. And I really want to be able to. What else defines adult? And like, is that the only way in which you feel like? I think because I feel so. So insecure about that. I put so much emphasis on it. I think I put so much emphasis on money because I'm so insecure about it. So that is like this big thing to me. Um, knowing how to do stuff. You know what I mean? Like yeah. bills and taxes and. Oh, it's awful not knowing about that stuff. All that sort of stuff I think really makes people grown up. You are I had this idea that when you had a kid, there would automatically be like a thing in your head going, you're now an adult and now you know how to do everything. No, 
No, uh, no. I mean, I think if anything, that can make so much stuff worse. Like, cause you're like, there was some point where my son, he had, you know, he was like, th- like as a tiny baby, like throwing up a lot. Right. So it's not even throw- like they spit up all the time and I was trying to figure out what was going on. And I had to have someone like force me to advocate a little bit more aggressively for him at the GP. And I was like, I'm the mom and I don't, I'm not even, someone's having to explain to me how to do this thing for this kid. Like I don't, nothing about having a child has made me feel like a grown up. And I I think probably for some people it really does. But for me, it doesn't. What do you, do you learn things from have, so when I'm, when I hang out with my friend's kid, I learn so much about my own childhood. Just in terms of how I instinctively well, want to treat him. That sounds horrible, but right. like, you know, he's um, putting squares into a round hole and he's trying. And then my initial, like, my instinct is to say, Oh, you're so stupid. And I'm like, Oh, where did that come from? <laughs> who oh, said, who right. said that to you when you were a child? And then you, of course, go, You know, you're doing a great job of well done or whatever. Right. Like, you fix it, but. And I think that's so that's so fascinating about children is how you can see my my other friend's kid who was a bit older was running around the house and I was just just like my uh, nails were in my thigh I was just so nervous she was going to fall and hurt herself and I was I just wanted to keep saying to her sit down sit down calm down sit down you can hurt yourself in horrendous ways and I was like wow oh yeah yeah my grandmother was anxious about everything so I get that right but is that is that just me being weird about things no I think I think that's you know I think that this morning like we were getting my my son is in nursery on a Friday and we were like he's got um what's the how well do you know the Christopher Guest film A Mighty Wind do you know it at all okay never mind there's a song in it though that's you know like a comedy song and and he's my son is obsessed with it and so we were playing it and, and, you know, we just, this morning and probably yesterday morning was a nightmare. We had this like very beautiful familial moment this morning, right? Where like, he was really giggling and the three of us were there. And you think it's like, there are kids who don't get this kind of affection and this kind of, atten- and like, they're never... You're just, you're, you, I'm just looking at my kid all the time being like, oh, so many of us are fucked so hard from the beginning. Because, you know, and, and, and that's not true. There are people who go through horrible trauma and wind up incredibly resilient and people who go through medium things and their lives are fucked forever. You know what I mean? So who knows? But you, yeah, you're, you're kind of sat there going, oh my God, all this stuff in me comes from all this other stuff that you weren't conscious. You don't, you don't have a memory. So you're sat there going, oh, of course, my grandmother, da, 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 da. But before, I mean, for years and years and years and years and years and years and years before you were even able to form that memory, loads of other shit went into making all these other aspects. Or when people are like, oh, yeah, the siblings are so different, blah, blah, you know. And you're like, yeah, a first child and a second child and a third child grow up in completely different environments. Like, because being a first child and that kind of attention and that kind of anxiety from parents who don't know what is a completely different thing. I watch my friends now who are starting to have second kids and it's like, you throw the second one in your handbag. You know what I mean? Like, there's just no, it's 
such a different experience to having a first kid. And of course that's going to affect how someone grows up, you know, and all that sort of stuff. But I don't think, I don't think it's made, I think for me having a kid, like feeling more grown up, that didn't happen for me. I think it does for some people. I really have been afforded a wonderful sense of perspective because of having a kid. Which I don't think, like, I don't think my husband does. I don't think that happened for him. But for me, I really can put shit in perspective now. Like? Just being, like, stupid shit in comedy, right? Mm. Like, where it's, you know, so comparative, whether it's just on a single gig or, wait, so-and-so got, you know, it's, it's just that is so a part of the nature of how it goes. Um, and I think I can do a really good job of going, my kid is healthy. Okay. It was just another day where my kid was healthy. Whatever. Who cares that so-and-so is going to Melbourne? You know what I mean? Or like, whatever. (laughs) It's a perfect example. It's not the perfect thing. (laughs) Like, so, so, so I think that has been very real. Like that was like a, a really, you know. And I, I, I very much enjoy him, but I don't feel like now I know what I'm doing or now I'm something more mature because of him or something. The question I always ask is, um, what would you most like for me to ask you? Oh, God. God, I wonder how honestly people answer these questions. <laughs> Do you know what I mean? Yeah. Like, that's a really good question, but I'm not sure I want to answer it like in an honest way like well it's like what do i most want you so maybe you had an idea of something you wanted to talk about that i haven't touched right or maybe it's a very vulnerable that's a very vulnerable question like to answer that honestly like makes someone quite vulnerable could be yeah it's all it's like the podcast equivalent of like tell me what you want in bed do you know what i mean like (laughs) yeah yeah what do i let me let me yeah. Answer it from sort of an sure. o- oblique way, and then I'll try and answer more. Else. Um, right. Is I'm feeling so embarrassed about, like, like I haven't in a little while. I haven't really sat and thought about like where I was at when I met my husband, and I feel quite embarrassed that I presented as like a girl who didn't know what was going on, and then a guy showed up who was like, "Oh, come over here," and I'll make all the problems go away. And I'm, so now I'm sitting here being like, is that? And I knew that that wasn't the, you know what I mean? Like we were sort of in love at the end of day one. Um, and I'd like to think that if I married him for purely logistical reasons, like we would been, we would have had a shittier eight years than we've had. But I feel very embarrassed about how I came across when I was talking about all that. I think you'd have to be a particularly huge piece of shit to, like I'd have to, to be a the, real, no, no, not you, oh. but for listeners to hear that. And think that. I do not think you came across that way. I mean, here's what I think. I also think, though, like, just genuinely, it is just real. Like, Jeff and I will talk about sometimes, like, what would our relationship have been if we both met five years earlier? And you like the idea that, like, this connection is so its own thing that regardless of space and time, but the fact of the matter is, I don't think... Like, when I was 26, I wanted a boyfriend so bad, and I wanted to be in love so bad. And now that I know what a relationship really looks like, there was no way I was ready for it. And he likes to think this and that and the other, but I was like, dude, 
you were not ready <laughs> for my power <laughs> when you were 31 or whatever he would have been at the time. So I just wanted to say that again because I feel very embarrassed about that. Um, what would I have liked you to ask me? You can edit out if this takes me a little too long to no, think about. What do I love being asked about? I like I really could talk about and I mean it's 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 much closer to the surface right now than it has been for a while. So basically my husband's my relationship with my husband's ostensible ex-wife. I can talk about that for hours. Now, 7 years ago, oh my god, I got to talk about it first. Now not so much. It's not really a thing anymore, but because I've been thinking about ways that I might work it into mm. an Edinburgh show. It's sort of like come back to the surface in this way that is so unhealthy. But you're like, yeah, but what if I can get a good show out of it? Right? That kind of thing. So I think I've, if we were just sat having coffee and I didn't have to worry about how I was sounding or anything like that, I think that is, you know, a, a dynamic and a situation that I always love being asked about. Um, and what else do I love being asked about? Like, about, about being, I like being asked about like being single, I think. Like, like that was really my identity for so long as I was like, you know, all my friends got together with their respective partners in their 20s and it was like single Sarah who had like funny, crazy sex stories. And like, I think I just love remembering that that was part of who I was for a while. Hmm. I'm sorry, I think people are going to hate me if I don't ask about just one crazy, funny sex story. Oh, what's my best one? Well... There was, oh God. So, so see, now she cracks under the pressure. So there was, so like, I'm a big <laughs> farter. Like I have like terrible gas and it's just my deal. And, um, there like, like 2000, I would say like 2005 to 2008 was when like I was top of, not with farting, but with dating, <laughs> but also farting. Like, I mean, it was just a bunch, like a revolving door of different gentlemen and misadventures. And so I brought this guy back to my apartment one night and I really, I mean, really had to fart. And I opened the, so I was like, I'm going to go for it. And then we'll just see how, we, we'll see how it goes. So I did it silently and I instinctively knew that it was going to smell like garbage dead of winter in New York, which means it's like significant, like below freezing outside. And so I was like, I'm so sorry. I'm so hot in here. I mm -hmm. threw up in the window. Then I closed the window and went, oh my God, like there's some kind of sewage leak outside smart. and blamed it, blamed it on that. That was a good one. I had, I'm putting That's this, so smart. trying to work this into a show. Although the way I make it in the show is that it was something that was said to a friend of mine, but it actually happened to me. My best friend, her husband, his best friend, not anymore, but like as we were in college and in our 20s, at my friend's 30th birthday party, um, we decided to like finally have sex. Like we knew each other for 10 years and we were like, it's time. 
we should do this. Like we should have, ha- we should have this experience. So it was like sex. It was casual sex. But it was someone I'd known for like 12 years. And so we were having sex. And at a certain point he stopped, he stopped and just looked at me and went, Hey, that was fucking <coughs> wait. This is making love. And then he like really like slowed down and got very tender with me. Isn't that the worst thing you've ever heard? But it was like so, it was sort of, I mean, I've made fun of that for 10 years, but it was so sweet. It was like sort of acknowledging that we, it was like the worst, but the greatest, you know, those are two that jumped to mind. Those were two that jumped to mind, you know, that can be told in a quick thing. So and I love talking about like fertility stuff and I like I love when people want my advice on IVF and babies and all that kind of stuff because it's fun to talk about one's own experience as well. Okay. Yeah, I think that's what I I think that's it. Can I ask about the in terms of the ex? Is it guilt feelings that come up? No, no it's not guilt no. anymore. Okay. I I to be completely honest, the 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 guilt that I felt was was very specifically tied to exactly that thing I told you about, which mm. was sort of making sure that I was sort of staying the fuck out of her way. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, and that I had th- those falters because I wanted to sort of get a gauge of where my now husband was at with it and that I did and you know I I don't think I, I don't think I did it a bunch but I definitely did it once and I you know I'll just guess that I did it a couple more times than that called him when I didn't know for sure that they weren't together and knowing that that was causing additional pain to someone who was already in pain I felt some real guilt about that but rightly or not I think sort of like you know my my version it's only my version of all that is that I really examined that I've directly apologized about that and I don't that was the only sort of guilt I ever Mm. so the things that come up now are not destructive it's just well I think it's destructive in as much as why do I need to think about like You know, I will often say, like, I get energized by hatred. Like, so people are like, oh, so-and-so is so annoying on social media. I'm going to unfollow. And I'm like, unfollow? That's that's where I go. Like, that's what I'm looking for is those people. You're like, oh, you are a piece of fucking shit. You know, (laughs) I love that. I love, you know, I, I sort of like hating in that way. So that's maybe not so. There's so so, so with her. It's it's not that at all. It's not like I don't troll, not troll. You know, like silently troll or whatever. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But I think it's not healthy to. What is it not healthy to do? Like at this at this stage, I just trust my husband and I trust our dynamic and all like I feel like I really you know at eight years in I know him a lot better than I did at a year in so now all this stuff of like this will happen to me or that like that's not there anymore so picking at the scab of her doesn't I don't know it doesn't feel as bad as it it's just it's just sort of like why do I like 
feeling angry or something like that. I think is what mm. it does. It feel unresolved. No, see that's that's exactly what it doesn't feel. Yeah, it doesn't feel unresolved. It feels so there's no question you need to answer. It's just the same. Yeah, because I had a very good conversation with my therapist Sophie. We're like really so, so. Part of what this story that I originally did was really about was the fact that my husband and his ex shared a dog together. So she was the ex was really around. I mean, that was part of what complicated it is that they there was so much contact between them. And I was like, oh, 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 okay, 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 okay. Um, and, and wait, wait, I had a real thing that was going to be, what did I want to say? Why did I bring up the dog share? Therapist? You said, yes. Oh, you're very good. <laughs> um, so, and so a lot of people who didn't know him at all and are like, huh, this guy had sort of, this ex-girlfriend or this, you know, this guy had a girlfriend. There's a dog share. They see each other all the, you know, now like my parents would like throw me into the ocean before they throw Jeff. At, you know, like now everyone knows it's him. But when they didn't, it was like, Sarah, we just want to make, you know, and all that sort of stuff. And I remember sitting with my therapist and like, you know, being like, okay, so what's the fear here? And it's like, okay, well, the fear is that this thing isn't really, the, the fear is that I'm the palate cleanser, that I'm the intermission. The fear is um, that he needs to hold on to her in some capacity or the other. And we sort of then really talked through that. And I was like, am I actual, like, am I in my stomach? Am I afraid that I'm in intermission? No, I'm not. What I'm afraid of is that he needs to sort of hold on to her that you know he's telling me that nothing has ever felt worse to him than the pain that he's caused her but that actually something about knowing that you were that like you know just all mm. this stuff and being like and if, if that's what's going on I'm okay with that then that's okay then he like I hope for her and I hope for him that's not what's going on but if like he still needs her in his life for reasons that aren't totally kosher because I just feel he won't cheat on me. I think I can make peace with that. And then as the time went on, I was like, that, that really wasn't it. It was, I believe now it really was just a dude going, I am so racked with guilt. I will do and, you know, I think I think at the time, also, he really cared for her, you know, really wanted to have this active friendship with someone who had been his best friend for 10 years. You know, unfortunately, those things are always a little bit more complicated, right? But so I don't feel, so, so I don't know, I just, I love, I just think I must love a little drama, honestly. You know, I think that, I think I just love a little conflict and a little spice and a little drama i guess yeah i'm into that yeah yeah sure <laughs> you know yeah i'm into that who wouldn't the um the last question i always ask is this yes you're in the delivery room and you have just been born yes so you are holding 
teeny tiny Sarah. I'm holding me. Yes. Okay. Get on board. I'm on. Yes. And tiny tiny Sarah is crying and crying because it's so scary. There's lights and sounds everywhere, and that wasn't in the womb. And it, what the fuck is this? Is this life? Is this what life is? This sounds horrible. It feels like the worst thing. And you can say something to yourself because you know what's going to happen in her life. And you know that maybe she does need to be scared or maybe she does, doesn't. Or, you know, you can say basically anything to her. You cannot give her advice because you cannot change the future. You can't tell her to do anything in the life. No. You can just explain to her what life is going to be like so that maybe she feels a bit more calm. If that is what you want, you can say whatever you want to her. What would you say to teeny tiny oh, baby Sarah? So emotional. Do you watch RuPaul's Drag Race? No, I don't. Oh, there's like, so as they're getting toward the end of the show, so it's like down to the final competitors, RuPaul brings up like a photo of them as a small child and oh, is like, God. what would you say to tiny David or something like that? And it's really emotional because what I've learned from RuPaul's Drag Race is that a lot of the time, like someone who winds up doing drag has been probably on a journey of sorts. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And so just listening to these men who dress as women talking to, like, the little boy who's going to wind up getting bullied because he's really effeminate oh. is, like, so emotional. Um, Can't believe you stole my question. I know! What a bitch. What a bitch. <laughs> um, I, like... I... would i'm trying to sort of not do like an oprah thing here but i feel it's like to to sort of just be like i i I got to a stage where i realized like my whole life I've made sure I was insanely busy. Like I was doing it from the time I was in high school. Like I was in, a, I would have a club that meant I had to be at school every morning at seven fifteen instead of eight. And then I do after school things. And then you know I was working full time in addition to college by the time I was eighteen. You know, just like this psychotic busyness, which is we all know did not mean that I wound up making a lot of money or anything, but. You know, and I just, like, by the time I was 16, I was working these, like, you know, I never had a spare moment. I'd be in school all day in high school, and then I would go to my after-school job, and then I'd babysit constantly. on like, And it was like, what the fuck were you doing? Like, rel- just chill out. Be 18. You know, now I look at myself at 25, and it's like, just chill. Be 25. Like, oh, my God. And now I've got, you know, two and a half year old and you're, you know, I can feel myself sort of being like, oh, well, when he's, when he's seven, we'll be, we'll be able to go on a holiday in this way again, because then I'll be able to read, you know, and, and you're like, it's just right. And then you're just gonna, like, your body is going to ache to just let him be two and a half and like just wanting to lie again, you know, and all that stuff. And I think that, you know, it's this mindfulness, it's sort of just like being, I would want her to just feel just enjoy, like just enjoy herself, right? Just like it's all just fine. You know, I've had sort of a trauma-free life and just knocked on wood. So just be one day old. 
Yeah, just be one. Just yes, that's Sophie. You're very articulate. Be one day old today. Just be eighteen today. And I think I have gotten significantly. I I, I do think that like stand up for me has been this. It's been like a solution. Like, I really have come to it like a good second marriage. Like, oh, this is how, you know, and you have miserable days and it's fucking terrible and it's so gross and the world is so gross. But like, it just has made me feel really good and right in a lot of ways. And, and I try and like, just be sort of happy in each day and like like a literal sort of stop and smell of roses so be one day old was in a beautiful sentence what i waffled on about for five minutes <laughs> i know the feeling <sighs> do you still so you still need to be told that every once in a while do you know what is that and i'll i'm like saying a really nice thing so i'll use the name is that i did a few days of tour support for nish kumar oh he's lovely i mean yeah. He's the guy. Yeah. He's, and he's, so obviously he's got this really enviable career. And we just sort of like hung out in the day and talked and we go to films and, um, and, you know, I would do these gigs at night. And the, the gigging was really cool because I'm not doing theaters that size. So that was interesting to watch him work. It was interesting to try and get, you know, but just talking with him, like he just, I was listening to him just thinking, you're having a good time. And I don't mean like, oh, you get a TV show now. Like, you're just, I don't know. You seem so smart and so talented and sort of untouched by the darkness. And I've hung with a couple of other people who are at that level of success and been like, man, like, God, I fucking love your comedy. I love what your career looks like, but... I just don't know how, like, joyous you're feeling. And I, I really, it really affect, or I want it, you know, I want it to sort of prove to really affect something for me. Like, I really was like, he's getting it right. I want to do it that way. Just work on my jokes, be present with my husband, present with, and just... And don't worry, you know, I don't know. I, I just really thought he seemed like he was modeling the kind of approach that I want to take on. Um. So, yeah, I, I do think that. And, you know, it's also that thing. It's sort of like I really wanted a boyfriend and then I did finally get one. And then I really wanted a baby and then I did finally get one. And I found a job that's better. And I just kind of feel like, you know, then just sort of be present in each day now. Smell the roses. So, yeah, I think I've gotten better at it over the course of, like, a few, you know, all these different sort of things that have happened over, like, the last four years. Where can people find your stuff? Oh, well, the only real stuff. There's not much because I don't enjoy doing social media. Oh, you don't? No, I really don't. But you're doing your show. So, the, the thing is, I don't know when this will air, but... um it uh at Soho Theater from the twenty second to the twenty sixth of January. So probably yeah, not. Yeah, that probably won't make it in time. Is that the last time you'll do it? No, I'm gonna do no. Yes. I think I'm gonna say yes for now. Okay. <laughs> um if you, if you end up having other shows, where can people then 
Well, why don't I, you know, so here's the thing. Yeah. Truth be told, I don't, I'm on Instagram at Sarah Baron 1 million and at Sarah Baron, it's S-A-R-A-B-A-R-R-O-N. But I'm not a good tweeter. I don't have a lot to say. I'm <laughs> really not someone worth following. But I do tweet about when I'm doing gigs. Okay, so Twitter is where we find you. Yeah, and hopefully if you're up in Edinburgh, I'm going to go back this year. Are you going up this year? Yeah. You are, I'm with so like, because you were workshopping this past year. Yes. Yeah, I'm very excited. I'm very excited. It's called well. The Bum Swing. Tell me more. <laughs> I will off air. Oh, okay, okay, fine. Okay, fine. Uh, thank you so much for doing this. Thank you for having me. Thank you so much for listening. I hope you love Sarah Barron as much as I do, which is quite a lot. You can follow Made of Human Podcast on Twitter at Podmo, P-U-D-M-O-H, on Facebook as Made of Human Podcast, and on the website, madeofhumanpodcast.com, where you can also get t-shirts and other merch. Now, if you are a patron, which you can do through patreon.com forward slash mopod, M-O-H-P-O-D, you help me out more than you can ever imagine, more than I can ever describe. It is um, just... It makes my life go around. It really does. So thank you, thank you, thank you to everyone supporting me financially on Patreon or whoever fi- uh, supports me financially on um, uh, like one-offs over PayPal. That is, I know I forget to say it sometimes, but that uh, also so meaningful. So thank you for that as well. To the people who are patrons who give more than $5 per episode, you are friends of the podcast. And if you are friends of the podcast, you will get a thank you at the end of the episode, which is what I will do now. So these people are the people who, at the moment of recording, are the people who are friends of the podcast, whose names I will uh, slaughter. So a huge, huge thank you to... Andrea Papillon, Andy Walker, Anya Knoblauk, Olsen Blue Sky, Barry Knowlton, Caitlin, Kat Posse, Claire McCowell, and Connor O'Donovan, Danny Beckett, Daniel Reifershee, Daphne Fanger, Eleanor, Emma Appleton, Emma Chan, Fenella Don, Privacy Asaurus, Aurora, Terra Tops, Jesus, Fiona Richardson, George Pearson, Hannah Keel, Harry Van Dyke, Harry and Lily French, Harry Minot, 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 Minot. Helena Thomas, Ida Sukolasen, Inger Ellingsen, James Bryan, Jane Mahoney, Josie, Kathy Draxelbauer, Katie Hatfield, Katrina Engelsen, Katie, Kim Williams, Kirsten Davidson, Queen T, Maury Fraser, Mansour Mir, Marbles Lost, Morak Fraser, Olivia Robson, Paul Swaddle, Perpetua Motion, Pierre Fenne, Rachel Hemsley, Rachel Furley, Rachel Phillips, still in the lead, Ragdoll, Robert Knowles, Robin Kappa, Russell Hughes, Sarah Ferreira, Eikersith, Sarah Alette, Sheena Machette Cole, Cecil Fjeldsun, and Susie Tyler. Thank you so, so much for making my life so much better. Uh, thank you to Dave Pickering for producing this episode, Harriet Brain for writing and recording the jingle, and to Linda Brinkhouse for the logo. I will speak to you next week. Bye. Low-power.